In 1985, the world was under the Cold War. Reaganomics were the main stage of American politics, and four women, the Golden Girls, Dorothy, Rose, Blanche, and Sophia, came to television and changed the nation. In this podcast, we will explore the history of that show and the many facets <laughs> why it was such the most important show in television history. And here to introduce the rest of the show, as always, is Brett. Should I be insulted? Like Shady Pines, Brad. I, I, I feel like I'm being set up here. Okay. Okay. Here we are. Uh, Christian and Zay. Zay is with us again today. Zay, welcome back. Hello. Thank you for having me. You know, you, you all can go through a little spiel about Golden Girls if you want to. I feel like I should just sit back and let this happen before anything else. <laughs> I was promised an episode on the Golden Girls. <laughs> maybe one day i got a lot of catching up to do so is this not the gilded girls podcast (laughs) there it is there it is i knew it was coming i knew it was coming at some point oh man now we're gonna break out into a um full singing of we are the world three two one we, we are, are the world. <laughs> oh my gosh. We are the world. <laughs> we I are know the other world. Other day, so let's start living. Start living. <laughs> the jobs we're making. The Africans are dying. So we're going <laughs> to sing this song for them. My black it's okay. Man. It's okay because Meryl Streep is here to save them. Oh my so. God. Oh, no, okay. but out, out of Africa would have been a lot better if Michael Jackson was there because you see that one part of the video where he's like clapping to the beat, but then those one people are singing and he just stops <laughs> and just stares at them. <laughs> I forget who it was, but it's the funniest damn part of that video once someone revealed it. Oh my gosh, that's me watching out of Africa though. Oh, we have we will have lots of thoughts on that out of Africa. That much I can guarantee. <laughs> Nothing. We're still in the introductory phase. Hello, people. We are. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome Arnie back to the, the best Hill picture. Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me, there will be more than on its way. But as you've probably figured out, we are covering the Oscar race of 1985. As Christian mentioned, this is also the year that the Golden Girls premiered on television, and also um, the We Are the World. The song and video that featured, I don't know, what, 30 different artists, something like that. Yeah, kind of spearheaded by Michael Jackson. It's really funny because like the year that he died, I remember that we sung, we sang that song in high school chorus, kind of like (laughs) as a tribute to Michael Jackson. It's a little weird. (laughs) Children singing about him. (laughs) Yeah, it was, it was, it was a little different, but. Anyway, Whitney Houston's debut album comes out this year, though, which is a good thing. Who misspelled her name in the notes? Hello. We put respect on her name in our house. (laughs) I have, you know what? I have this album of hers on vinyl. 
You really? Didn't check, you didn't spell check with it. Oh. He's not part of the Huston family line. We do have. I want a sitcom now with the, the Hustons and then just little Whitney was added <laughs> in season six. <laughs> I love this. This is already amazing. I'm sorry. I'm derailing it. I'll stop. I'll stop. <laughs> I would watch that show, though. I mean... <laughs> Uh, Christian, you put July 13th. We have the Live Aid concert. Yes. I'm not going to mention the movie. We're not going to mention it. Bohemian Rhapsody? It was great. Uh, No! Okay. I thought we were going to talk about the concert film Live Aid. That was good. I watched it like four years ago. (laughs) I I imagine that's actually really good. I don't know what film you just brought up, though. So it seems, I mean, already in 1985, a lot of good music was happening. A lot of music events happening. Right, mm-hmm. right. And Live Aid, of course, highlighted by Queen's appearance, which is showcased in something. Never heard of it, but it's on YouTube. It's great. I've seen it. Yeah. Skip the movie with Rami Malik. Watch the YouTube video. That's all you need. Yep. Uh, you also mentioned Rock Hudson died this year, and it brought light to um, AIDS in, ho- in a Hollywood celebrity, which was kind of related to a film we're going to talk about and kind of a big deal at this time. I think that was the first time they mentioned AIDS in like front pages. That's of newspapers, something like that. And sense. never forget his good friends Ronnie and Nancy Reagan totally blew him off when he asked for help to go to Europe mm. for treatment, and they're like, "Never heard of you." That's how it goes. Yep. Not By the way, political. someone named <laughs> someone named Reagan was present at this time um we don't talk about him either i thought we just didn't have a president for eight years oh believe me when i was looking at fun facts or at least like highlights for the year i had no idea what i even should have put for reagan because i really didn't care there was a cold war going on and we were trying to de-escalate things and the golden girls came out at the same time coincidence i think not (laughs) sounds about right but yeah so a lot going on there. Uh, some stuff going on at the Oscars. Last year we were hostless, but in 1985 they actually had three hosts. Alan Alda, Jane Fonda, and Robin Williams. Two of those things are not cool. like the other. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's really funny, though, because I was listening to, you must remember this, the episode about Jane Fonda winning her first Oscar. And it's really interesting how she was like, really able to be like really politically active and not and still like make her way through the scene and whatnot even until 1985 to today so i don't know did you watch any of their intro yes i did um they they pretty much just came out and they said the spiel of like all one billion of you watching movies captivate the minds and then they brought robin williams out and he spoke with like accents from other countries and alan alda got like so hysterical in his laughter like what we're doing now (laughs) that they kept coming back to him to show him just like just losing it and jane fonda's there just like i'm jane fonda (laughs) (laughs) yeah other fast facts um all 10 best actor and best actress were american born um which 
I don't know how common that is, but especially at, in this day and age, probably not so much. Um, but all 10 Best Supporting Actor and Actress were first-time nominees, which seems really rare, um, especially in this recent era. Paul Newman received an honorary Oscar. Um, you had John Huston, Billy Wilder, and Akira Kurosawa introducing the Best Picture nominees and winners. I watched that. It was like slightly awkward, but That was but so fun. adorable. <laughs> like they're all half, I'm they're all half past dead coming out. You can barely <laughs> say the nominees. Like Billy Wilder's like, our first nominee is, what the hell's one of the movie not? The Color Purple. And yeah, like, the first hour could barely get out the producers of Out of Africa. <laughs> oh my gosh. And then when they were handing off the envelope, they were like, oh which God. one does it go to? <laughs> God. It's kind of awkward too because like Akira Kurosawa just lost a best director to uh Sydney Pollock, which was pretty terrible. And it's like, oh you just lost, but here come present this for us. So whatever. Uh, but our big winners from this year, best picture, as we've mentioned numerous times, was Out of Africa. Also was <laughs> Sydney Pollack, best director, best actress, <laughs> Geraldine Page. What the fuck? This is, I'm mad. Not, not good. We're going to get into this. We're going to get into this. <laughs> Geraldine Page may or may not be a career win. We'll get into that. Uh, best actor. <laughs> William Hurt for Kiss of the Spider Woman. Supporting actress Angelica Houston for Pritzi's Honor. And best supporting actor went to Don Amici. Am I pronouncing Amici. it correctly? Amici for Cocoon. So there you have it. Any other thoughts like on the rest of the Oscars before we dive into our nominees? Or should we just go right in? I watched the people coming on the red carpet. Prince looked better than everyone fucking else. Like everyone in 1985, it was Prince and Cher. They were the only ones that came. They like had no nominations. They're like, we're gonna people are gonna pay attention to us. That was the best part of the Oscar red carpet for that year. Very nice. Yeah, her iconic dress um, uh, at this Oscars. Look it up if you haven't seen it. Because she was snubbed for best actress, and she was like, "I'm gonna make the night about me." Still, that's Cher. So awesome. Icon for sure. Okay, well, without further ado, let's go ahead and jump in with our Best Picture nominees here. Christian, I believe you would like to take the honor of presenting our first film. Yes, um, I seem to introduce, I feel, every Steven Spielberg movie. Hmm, I wonder why. I wonder why. <laughs> so this is The Color Purple, directed by Steven Spielberg, and based on the Pulitzer, Pulitzer Prize-winning novel by Alice Walker, and it tells of Celie Harris, uh, later Celie Harris Johnson, because she marries, um, played by Desreta or Desreta Jackson when she's younger, and Whoopi Goldberg when she's older, and it's Whoopi's first uh, film role. So the story is basically about Celie growing up in a life of poverty and abuse with her husband. She has her sister uh, Nettie, played by Akosa Akosua Usaya. I apologize to her if she's listening. Is she listening? Woo. Um, <laughs> but no, that's really the only person that she's ever loved in her life. The only one who ever understands her. Nettie helps Celie to read. 
to like understand life. They live together with Mr. who's played by Danny Glover. And then Mr. throws Nettie out and Nettie disappears. She promises to write, but Celie never sees any letters. Celie grows up. This is when Whoopi Goldberg is introduced. Along comes such great characters like Shug Avery, who Mr. His name is Albert, but she only really calls him Mr. Who he loves and kind of fancies and she doesn't totally feel the same way. We have the iconic Sophia, played by somebody named Oprah. Never heard of her. Uh, as Celie's, I guess she would be daughter-in-law, right? Yeah. And as yeah. the poster says, it's about life. It's about love. It's about us. <laughs> and it's literally this woman just trying to like survive in this harsh world that like doesn't like her back, but somehow she thrives. And there's like this great moment where she comes to her, like it's her power fucking move. And I don't know. I love it. Discuss. Um, this is my first time re-watching this movie. I was probably in high school the first time I saw it. The only time I saw it. So I was like, I had heard all like all sorts of criticism about it, but also like Christians and die in love for it. <laughs> so I was like, all right, which side am I going to disappoint? And I, I see both sides because I truly love this movie a lot. It's just an overwhelming sense of emotions. But I also read the book this year, like June maybe and i see definitely where everyone's criticism from adapting from the book is because spielberg definitely spielbergerizes the movie a lot especially when you like compare it to his dramas later but yeah i still really enjoy the film in terms of like glamorizes it and and or whatnot or not very faithful well he like i wouldn't say it's not very it's just like tone uh, okay for the like, 80s, especially because in the book, there's more discussion of Celie's sexuality, especially in the yeah, Jug. And I've read articles because I've actually written a paper on the color purple and like this topic that Spielberg really shies away from that. I think in the mm -hmm. fact somewhere that he, yeah, he regretted not including that. But at mm -hmm. the same time, he says that it would have alienated audiences because it's the 80s. It's not like as accepted at that time, I guess, on screen. Nice. So you've read it too, Christian? Yeah, I read the book too. Cool. I have not read the book, um, as is usually the case for me. First time watcher here. Um, yeah, my <laughs> my thought going in as well was um, Christian's undying love for it. And so I wasn't as aware of the criticisms of it until later. But yeah, I, I really, I loved it too. Um, Whoopi Goldberg is just like a revelation here. Um, I mean, we can we will get into her best actress race and whatnot. But yeah, it really starts off and I was kind of worried about, okay, like how sentimental is this going to be? Um, is it going to, you know, shy away from stuff too much or is it really going to get at the depth of these characters and their situations? And I really like movies like this because I think for a lot of, a lot of times when we see the black experience on film historically, it's usually like the slavery era or like the civil rights era would probably be, I imagine the two most common if you're looking historically. 
it seems like we don't get that much in between those two time periods, you know, like right after Reconstruction, Emancipation, this takes place in the early 1900s. And so it was nice to see a film focus in on that area and create a character that is really, really worth following and is easy to appreciate. And so well done Spielberg, who didn't even get a Best Director nomination here. That's why. It really is, though. I can't believe it. Especially when you look at the Best Director race. I mean, it was um, Sidney Pollack, the winner, obviously. Hector Babenko, uh, Kiss of the Spider-Woman. John Huston for Pritzi's Honor. Akira Kurosawa for Ron. And Peter Weir for Witness. There's at least one of those that makes no sense to me. Like, <laughs> yeah, uh, John Huston. Um <laughs> Yeah, I really liked it. Um, thought it had a really nice score. Obviously, amazingly shot. And just really great performances all around from the women in this movie. Um, Whoopi Goldberg, as I mentioned. Desreta Jackson. As you mentioned, Christian. Oprah Winfrey. Talk about another big Academy Awards snub this year. I mean, she was nominated, but... We'll get into who won, but <laughs> big slip up there as well, I think, as well. I mean, I know I'm spoiler alert, but Oprah Winfrey, I think, should have taken that category. Her only real competition should have been Margaret Avery, who is also nominated for The Color Purple, because they were both brilliant. But I love Mar- I love Margaret Avery in this. Yeah, I think we so need good. to be careful. I don't want Huston to be taking jabs at us in the next magazine article she does. <laughs> True. <laughs> But yeah, Christian, I'm interested to see like where does this rank for you, like Spielberg wise? Is it, how is it among your favorites? So, gosh, I've deleted like my Spielberg rankings, but I think this was at least in top ten for me, if not top five. And I think only because it's one of the, it doesn't feel like it is a Spielberg movie, other than the tone of it. Like Zaya said, it's Spielbergian, in that you know. It makes you feel good, even when it probably mm-hmm. shouldn't. Um, but like he said, Spielberg, it was his first adult movie, and he probably couldn't have made Empire of the Sun later on, or Schindler's List later on without having done this, because this is not mm-hmm. a movie for like kids. This isn't a family movie. This is coming off E.T., mm-hmm. and I think the year before was the Temple of Doom. Yeah. So this is like something that you're going to bring the family to. But. A fun fact I learned was yeah. when Alice Walker was wanting to was giving the rights to make the movie, she wanted to Spielberg had to audition to do the movie because and then she had only seen one of his movies, Ooh. and it was um, the Sugar um, Sugarland Express. Sugarland Express. That was the only one she had seen, and because but then she was like, "Yeah, he adapted that well. You can do it." That's wild. Wow. Well, which brings up a good question, because I know, Christian, you've talked a little bit about some of the criticism behind this movie, one of which is Spielberg being a white director, white male director, taking on this subject material. And so I'm interested to see our thoughts on that and that kind of controversy, because we discussed a little bit in our last episode as well. I don't know. It's interesting, because I've also read that, like, Quincy Jones, who had a big hand in producing this, and he did the music for this, he also, he, like, wanted Spielberg mm-hmm. to direct this. But, like, 
We're also talking about Spielberg, who again came off the Temple of Doom, E.T., he has Jaws to his name, Close Encounters. This is a man who's making like epic sci-fi adventure films, and then he's going to go mellow it out with a movie about a black woman in the South who's just living her life. Like, I, I like again, I like his direction mm-hmm. here a lot with a lot of the choices in this movie. It's a weird choice to pick him as the director, Quincy <laughs> Jones. And it's kind of an interesting thing, like, who else would have directed right. this yeah. in the 80s? You can't think of, like, big-name black directors at the time. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, today, I know, Zay, you've always said, when they remake this, because they're supposed to be remaking this in more of a musical form. Dee Reeves! She's perfect! Yeah. And I totally agree yes. with I, I can think of literally no one else. She is the one. If she doesn't get it, I'll be upset. Right? And I've seen the musical version of this. The musical is great. Um, it's very toned down, obviously, in terms of like the set. It's not lavish or anything. The music is great. I can't wait till they remake this. But for Spielberg to direct this, it's he's such an interesting choice. I've heard that's my little and like theories that. that like he hasn't won an Oscar up to that point, and he was like, maybe I'll do this like prestige pick. And he's like, yeah. like, Notice me. And he's still it's like this nomination. is the this is based on a book that won like one of the biggest prizes in literature mm-hmm. you can get. Hell yeah, I'm gonna make this. Give me that goddamn Oscar. <laughs> it's perfect for that. And it's funny you mentioned D. Reese because when I think of like I mentioned earlier films about the black experience between slavery and civil rights era, the other one I think of is Mudbounds. And so mm-hmm. that'd be like yeah. right in her wheelhouse. Um, I was also thinking um, Daughters of the Dash, Dust, Julie Dash. She wasn't allowed to make any more films, but if they had waited to make The Color Purple, I think this would have been a good film for her, to, like an adaptation for her to also tackle. Nice. But that's a timeline that does not exist. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I definitely think there's a big difference between Steven Spielberg directing The Color Purple and the way he directs it compared to what we talked about last week with Quentin Tarantino and Django Unchained mm-hmm. in the way they mm-hmm. handle the material. And so, oh, it, for sure. Yeah. It's also because I was looking up who wrote the screenplay, and his name his name is Menno May Mages, and this is a case where I'm like, why didn't Alice Walker make like write the screenplay? Because this is a man from the Netherlands, <laughs> an like, expert on American racism, a white man from the Netherlands talking about a black woman from Georgia. <laughs> Okay. Like the choices here. Interesting choice. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But let's talk about the big thing about this movie in relation to the Oscars and that it did not garner a single win. I feel so attacked right now. That's wild. After 11 nominations. Especially after all the ones that fucking did win. Yeah. And Christian, I think... Did you put some he- somewhere here that like Spielberg won the Directors Guild and didn't even get nominated for an Oscar? So it says Spielberg became the first winner of the Directors Guild without being nominated for the Oscar. Like that's it, it's happened. It's happened since, obviously, because we've spoken about this with Ben Affleck and Argo in a previous episode, right? But this is like the first instance. That's just so. It's wild for me because I feel like although he hadn't done a prestige picture, like people respected spielberg and the director's guild you can really tie that with the voters for oscar nominees i'm just like what the hell happened how in the world did he not get nominated 
Was it another? Oh, someone else will do it. But at the well, same time, the people that they did nominate, I'm like, why did you do that? <laughs> exactly. But the Oscars are wild for me this year because I don't agree with almost any of them. Honestly. Yeah, this is like one of the worst. I think it's the worst like Oscar, like in terms of their choices, it's probably the worst we've talked about on the show so far, I think personally. But I mean, you look at all that it was not was nominated for. Christian, do you want to read off the nominations it did receive? Yes. Uh, picture actors for Whoopi Goldberg, supporting actress for both Margaret Avery and Oprah. Adapted screenplay, cinematography, art direction, costume design, makeup, original score, which was like 15 people nominated for original score. There's a story about that. And original wow. song for Miss Seeley's Blues. Yeah. I just go through and think about all those that it could have won and should have won. And it's it's a, it's a pretty sizable list. So Especially, We're going to talk about, I think we should talk about actress now because Let's do it. we're not really... We'll touch on the trip to Bountiful, like in our like others, but it's not a movie to talk about, really. Right? Because I watched it, and I watched Geraldine Page, and I'm like, "You did fine for a TV movie, sort of thing." It honestly feels like a TV movie. Yep. And I'm just sitting there, like, "Eh, you're yeah." Like I get losing eight times for an actress who is great sucks, and she did die a year later, so she got her gold. But I'm also like. Looking back, no one thinks about that movie. You think Geraldine Page, you're not thinking Trip to Bountiful. Yeah. I actually think Trip to Bountiful because that's all I kind of know her from. <laughs> oh, well, Sweet Bird of Paradise is a wonderful film. and she's Sweet Bird of Youth. Whatever. I think I mix it up with another <laughs> Tennessee Williams adaptation. <laughs> I will say I will say to our listeners out there, if anybody's interested, the YouTube channel is called Be Kind Rewind. And it details in depth the Geraldine Page versus versus pretty much Whoopi. But Geraldine yeah. Page, I mean, I that, that is a career win eight times. F. Murray Abraham presenting the Oscar literally is like, oh, I consider this woman the greatest actress in the English language. I'm like, okay, <laughs> great. And you can see Jessica Lang visibly saying, shit, it's Page. Like, Jessica, you ain't going to win this. You ain't going to sit there. Like, again, the trip to Bountiful, which we'll talk about, it feels like a TV movie. The role is fine. She's a whiny old woman who just wants to go back to her youth. And then you have this, like, complex role of Whoopi, who she doesn't have a whole lot of dialogue in the very beginning of her scenes. She played it so well with her mm-hmm. emotional, with her face, with her eyes as like the best actors and actresses can do. And this is Whoopi Goldberg. She's known as a comedian. She literally was found by Mike Nichols and then Steven Spielberg doing her one woman show where she plays a variety of funny characters. And then she's thrown into this movie where she has to do like dead ass drama. It was cute. I watched it like it was the like uh, Oprah masterclass or whatever. And it was on YouTube. And she was talking about how they were, she was like, they called her, uh, she talked to Alice Walker and she was like, I would play um, dirt on the floor in this movie. And she, and then like, she sent back in a purple envelope, Alice Walker to her and wrote to her and was like, we, I've actually already mentioned your name to the people. And then um, she talked to them on the phone. She's like, I don't know. 
I just, I always thought about doing stage and she's like, what if we don't work? And I was like, well, don't worry about it. It'll all work out. Just don't tell anyone that you're in the movie. And for like months she knew she was in the movie while they were talking about like Diana Ross could be playing <laughs> in the color. Could you imagine Diana Ross? I mean, she's not a bad actress, <laughs> but that would be so distracting. Be much different. <laughs> but yeah. And is playing Seely, Scarlett Johansson. Oh my God. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> but i mean obviously it's a career win for Geraldine page and i just i cannot stand career wins normally like i just i don't agree with it like give it to the best that's what the honorary is exactly but i mean you look at who Whoopi was up against this year geraldine page and bancroft jessica lang and meryl streep I mean, that's like, those are big time names that she's going up against and should have won. And that would have been so cool. Would have been an awesome moment. And obviously they gave her an Oscar later for Ghost and she's great in that movie. But That was a makeup. It was, yeah, I think it was. And so. Not to discount her performance in Ghost, but that's not like edge of your seat. Oh my God, she did that performance. I think it's good, but I'm not Oscar. I'm not. I wouldn't hand the Oscar for that. I'd hand the Oscar for color for sure. Anybody yeah. else surprised Brett seeing Ghost? <laughs> I think this is the second time you've said that. Like Brett seeing Ghost. <laughs> you know, it's even wilder when you think about Ghost. How much fucking money Ghost made? Yeah. If you put in like 2019 dollars, it's over 500 million dollars. Ridiculous. Could you imagine that today? <laughs> Uh, Christian, do you want to read off some of these facts that you listed here? Yes, I do. Roger Ebert, respect, named this the best film of 1985. And I put a little quote here that I liked, which I'll read. The world of Seeley and the others is created so forcibly in this movie that their corner of the South becomes one of those movie places like Oz, like Terra, like Casablanca that lay claim to their own geography and our imaginations. I just like, I love that damn quote. This is this That's is such a great race. cast of characters too. Like each mm-hmm. one of them gets their own story. It's not just about Seely because we focus on other people too. Um, Whoopi's screen yeah. debut again. The first PG thirteen film rated, uh, or but yeah, the first PG thirteen film to be nominated for an Oscar for Best Picture. One that was originally rated PG thirteen, not later on re rated or anything. Again, Spielberg, his first adult film, he thought. Um, the criticism we talked about, the lack of sexuality, also the stereotypical opinion of African-American men. Mister is pretty much just the abusive character to Seeley the entire movie. Um, Spielberg being a white man writing this. I wrote a paper about this. That's my own plug. I don't know where it is, though. <laughs> and uh, turned into a Broadway musical in 2006 and then revived again in 2015. And it will soon be remade into a movie musical in a couple years hopefully that's exciting also uh because brett likes this so i put this as a fun fact 94.1 million dollars at the box office and it was number four of 1985 at the box office which 94 today is like congratulations you're number 65 at the box (laughs) office yeah i don't know what that would be adjusted for inflation but 229 million there you go dollars big hit yeah, really great movie. The end, Christian, as you mentioned, like the end is tear jerking. The big Whoopi's big scene, but dear God, I'm here. 
just powerful as hell. Maybe black. I may be poor, but dear God, I'm here. <laughs> so good. So good. And she didn't get the Oscar. That's a real fuck up on their part. But I guess she's an EGOT winner now. What's that? She's an EGOT winner now. And you can see her daily review. <laughs> okay. Any closing thoughts? In the last the last film she was in and nobody's fool. <laughs> the best part of that movie. <laughs> For a whole five minutes. Oh jeez. I forgot that. Okay, are we ready for our next movie? Yes. Perfect. Zay, take it away. The next movie is Kiss of the Spider Woman, directed by Hector Babenko. And it is a movie about two prisoners, Valentine Aregui. I'm so sorry. I'm going to butcher every name. I'm trying my best. Played by Raul Julia, who was, fa- who was jailed for being in a leftist radical group. And Luis Molina, played by the late actor William Hurt, who was imprisoned for having sex with an underage boy. What? No, I, I, I know why you said that. Go on. <laughs> He's dead. <laughs> Wait, William? No. What? Isn't William Hurt William dead? Hurt's alive. Oh, wow. I just thought you said you meant he beat Marley Matlin a lot. <laughs> Raul Julia is the one who passed away. Oh, no. <laughs> Keep all of this in breath. <laughs> sure thing. Anyway, they're prisoners. Um. <laughs> And uh, Louise Molina, a trans woman. More on that in a second. Uh, Molina tells a story about a film she loves in order to pass the time and tend to uh, Aragui, who is lonely and being poisoned by the guards so that Molina can befriend him because she has promised parole if she can get info. Uh, the two form a strong bond, and Molina admits she has fallen for Valentine. La da la da la. It's not a very plot heavy movie, a lot of it is them talking in the jail, and then to the scenes of the movie that she is describing. Also, at the time of this film, trans people weren't exactly identified very well. So the film kind of, it's like, the, the language is more as Molina as a gay man, but now looking back, we're like, no, that was a trans woman. That's how we're going to do and we'll refer to her as she, hers, even though she is played by William Hurt. Who is not dead? So I will say that this is the first time when I, because I like going on Wikipedia to read like plot synopsis. If I'm just like, you know, mm-hmm. I've seen this movie a couple times, but this is the first time that I've actually noticed okay. where it says Luis Molina, a transgender woman, and then all pronouns after that are she or her. Like I have never noticed mm-hmm. that before. And I've always thought of Luis Molina as like, like you said, say like as a gay man and that's it. So interesting mm-hmm. there. But for me, I like this movie. I think that the prison scenes are much, much stronger than the like movie scenes because this cuts into the movie that Molina is talking about, which has Sonia Braga, who I, I like a lot. She plays three characters. The woman in the movie, Marta, who is Valentine's girlfriend. 
something like that. Love interest. Yeah. And then the titular <laughs> Spider Woman, who's more or less like a fantasy in both of these people's heads. But again, like they said, it's not very plot heavy. It could be a great play. It's a musical. but It was a also play, a play. Oh, was it a play? It was a play before there was a movie in 1983. Okay. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I could see this as a play because you just mm-hmm. really have two people talking. But right. it's also a musical. Like, everything is mm-hmm. a musical. It's a musical. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> um, I agree on the prison scenes being the best thing about it. Just the discussions that the two characters have. Mm-hmm. And to kind of see this friendship and relationship blossom between them, um, their interplay with each other is just completely marvelous. Both actors are so so good in this movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, William Hurt was the one who won the Oscar, but Ra- Raul Julia is so good as well. Yeah. I mean, you can't deny the greatness of his performance. And that was as well. the first person Hurt thanked when he won. He was like, mm-hmm. "I share this with Raul," and I'm like, "Of course, why wouldn't you?" <laughs> yeah. I would like to say but, this is this is a movie that's a little special for me because this is like one of the first movies Christian recommended to me to that I should watch when we first. Did met. I really? Aww. Yeah. I thought because you were also a political prisoner. <laughs> 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 Christian, what does this mean for you? <laughs> and in and this is where Brett enters a Cheetah Rivera singing "Kiss at the Spider Woman" theme song. <laughs> but no I, I i always i forgot that i didn't okay that's mm-hmm. cool yeah but um i this was the first movie i watched for this podcast so part of it is still like i'm just trying to have to search a little bit for my thoughts that i had when i originally watched it mm-hmm. um but i think one thing i loved about hurt's performance is just how much like vulnerability there is there to kind of reveal this character and their thoughts and to share that with this character who, you know, Raul's Julia's character certainly has their strong beliefs, especially in regards to Hertz transgender transgenderism, which isn't like fully fleshed out, but it's kind of pointed to throughout the film. Mm -hmm. And so I really, I thought he played it so well. That's one award from that year that I, from the nominees that were there, I completely agree with William Hurt taking that Oscar. Same. I know I keep I keep going off on their two performances. That's like all I've talked about, but that's what sticks with me from this movie is same. those two characters. Like half the movie is like them talking about the move the the film that she's talking about, and I'm like, I like the atmosphere of it, but I don't really care about this movie they're yeah. talking about. And and I'm like, yeah. I'm sure it's very fascinating if you're stuck in a j- jail cell. But I'm just sitting here like, all right, get back to them. Except the actual like Spider Woman scene. I think that one is yeah. beautiful. I could look at that the whole time. But other than that, I'm like, I think besides, hey, I'm for me, besides the Spider Woman stuff, I like when she is talking to the warden and I guess the warden's assistant and just like, what? Valentine? Am I getting the names wrong? Yes. Raul Julia's character, Valentine is doing and then in yeah. exchange she's getting them food and you're like they ain't gonna get this food and they get like the best assortment of prison food you could ever imagine. <laughs> and then at the same time like slowly Valentine's getting poisoned but they still got them damn two roasted chickens 
It's like these two characters, <laughs> these two characters that could have yeah. met coming together, and what else are they gonna do? They're gonna fall for each other, friendship wise, maybe even more in uh, Luis's case, but yeah. What did we think of? Because I think we're in agreement. The scenes in the prison cell are the best. The movie scenes, aside from the Spider Woman scene, are you know they're okay. What about the scenes like after their time in the prison where slight spoiler alert, um, William Hurt's character does actually get out of the prison and she is, you know, readjusting to post prison life. For me, it was like, I liked those scenes, but it was also like, I really just like, missed what we had before with the two characters yeah, together it feels very it goes, it, it's very fast too because like, there's it's like the last yeah. 15 minutes or so yeah too, so to the point yeah. i forgot those scenes were in it since the last time i saw it i'm like oh shit there's like this last 15 minutes of just fast-paced like thriller like action basically yeah there's like an espionage like, film <laughs> i know and i'm like i like I get why it's a part of it and I guess just for that specific ending that they wanted but I'm also like I feel like you could have done this a different way that fit with the tone of the rest of the movie because it's a very somber like dream like I mean you're stuck in that jail cell for much most of the film it's very tight and enclosed that's all the space you know in your real world and you're just like gotta go fast (laughs) yeah exactly but yeah um zay do you want to go over the fun facts here sure i didn't write them down <laughs> um it, was, it made 17 million dollars at the box office that's number 53 of 1985 um the oscar wins just to william hurt for best actor uh the oscar nominations were for picture director adapted screenplay uh it was the first independently produced film nominated for best picture Nice. Based on the novel. El Beso de la Mujer Araña. <laughs> Thank you. By Manuel Huig. Uh, Hurt and Julia switched roles in rehearsals to get a better understanding of each of the, uh, each other's characters. Which that makes so much sense. That's really interesting. I could you imagine anyone else doing that though? Like um, once upon a time in Hollywood, if Leonardo DiCaprio and the little girl switched roles, <laughs> I would watch that movie. I want that movie now. Um, Her twin was the first time for an openly, I'll say, queer character, um, and it was turned into a Broadway musical in 1993. Which I meant to listen to that, but then. I forgot. Sooner or later, you're certain to meet in the bedroom, the parlor, or even the... Okay. Oh my god, you guys. You missed the entire production. Christian's saying the whole thing. Believe me, if you could see me, I know how to belt out the titular song of Kiss the Spider Woman, like, to the T. It gets dense. It was amazing. You all missed it. <laughs> three encores <laughs> here we go but yeah um kiss of the spider woman definitely i think the you know not the box office hit obviously but definitely the one of the nominees as like a little bit smaller scale 
um, which I think is kind of nice. And I don't so, know for an independent film in 1985, making 17 millions probably was a lot. That's true. That's true. Yeah, for it's, sure. You know, depending today's nowadays, an independent film in, making 17 million is pretty good. Can yeah. I say another that's, fun that's fact is point. that Burt Lancaster was originally going to portray Molina oh, yeah. Kurt's character like. What? I don't know. Interesting. Eh. Eh. I don't know. Her did a great job. Mm-hmm. But... Cool. Anything else on Kiss of the Spider Woman? I think that's it. All right. Christian, if you want to lead right, us into y'all. our next movie. <clears throat> Sit right down. I'm going to tell you the story of Charlie Partana and how he honored a man named Pritzi. I guess. <laughs> this is Pritzi's Honor, directed <laughs> by John Huston. Yes, that John Huston, the director of such films as The Maltese Falcon and The Treasure of the Sierra Madre. It was one of his later films in his life. I think it was his second to last film. Um, but again, Charlie Partana, who is Jack Nicholson in this, he is hitman, and he falls in love with a woman, Irene Walker, the late great Kathleen Turner. There you go. Well, She's not dead is, either. <laughs> Her career dead, though. Uh, so yeah, those two <laughs> fall in love. And they're both hit people. Surprise, surprise. They do not know this, though. Um, there's also Mayrose Pritzi, who is played by Angelica Houston. Actually, that's John Houston's daughter. She is a jilted lover of Charlie, trying to get back at him in any way possible. There's also William Hickey as Don Corrado Pritzi, who's literally the titular character in this and who's also in National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation as the old uncle, if y'all need some reference there. <laughs> He's like, oh, I could not stop thinking about that. That's who that is. <laughs> yes, I hated this film. I don't really know how to talk about it, except there's about two hit, hit people falling in love, and then they get hired by their respective bosses to, surprise, surprise, kill one another. And they on paper, oh. on paper, I should really like this movie. Like, I the agree. way you describe it, I'm like, yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun. But when you see it, I just thought it was silly. And not the good kind of silly. I love a fucking good silly movie. But when I watched it, I was like, oh, this is, I don't, I don't, I don't understand what everyone has ever liked this movie sees in it. I was so, un- I love actors and characters Mm -hmm. and i was so uninterested in every single person in this movie like angelica houston i'm watching her to see why she won this oscar Mm -hmm. and i have no idea why like i remember no scenes with her except at the very beginning when her father won't talk to her because she's done whatever and then that's like the majority of her stuff she has a couple more scenes and i'm like cool i don't remember any of them jack nicholson is typical jack Mm-hmm. He has a certain range up to a point, but he's like, hey, I'm Jack. I'm Charlie Partana. And then we have Kathleen Turner doing her thing. They have great sex. A lot of, <laughs> a lot of sex. And that's the most of it. And I was just waiting again for William Hickey, who's like Pritzy himself, to be like, somebody bring me my stogie. <laughs> <laughs> it's a nitroglycerin plant. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> it was an ugly tree anyway. <laughs> uh, but I, I agree, Zay. Like, I thought I'd probably enjoy this. It's it sounds fun. And I just like I'm the same. Like, how, who likes this movie? Why do they like this movie? I it doesn't know if it wants to be a gangster film or a comedy or when it wants to do that. It doesn't balance that whatsoever. It's like plot heavy, but I got nothing out of the plot. Like, can I just say that I'm reading right now, Pauline Kale? She said, I mean, among this whole paragraph here, but this is just funny. It's like The Godfather acted out by the Munsters. God bless Pauline wow, Kale. Perfect. She had the best movie reviews. <laughs> Love her. But my thing is, I was going in, I'm like, okay, at least Jack Nicholson's in it, right? Like, Jack Nicholson makes every movie better. Wrong. Mm-hmm. Like, this is the one movie I've seen where I, I don't think he's that good at all. He reminded me a lot of Viggo Mortensen in Green Book. Like, mm-hmm. this caricature Italian character who, like, makes the ac- accent as, like, big as he possibly can mm-hmm. and just kind of weasels through the thing, if I'm being honest. So... Not a fan of Jack in this one, which was really disappointing, honestly. So but the person podcast, I was... so Sorry, go for it. Oh, I was just going to say, this podcast is mostly about Oscars, but I'm by God, this won four Golden Globes. Yeah, I noticed that too. That's wild. Didn't Houston win the Golden Globe? Yes. That's, Ew. Yeah. Apologies to Houston, but not this one. <laughs> but... Yeah, I don't know. The The one person that I did really like in this movie, honestly, and I don't know why, I think it was just this, like, nice grandpa feel to him, was John Randolph, who is also mm-hmm. in uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. He's not in the movie very much also, but when he's there, he's, like, a character that I could actually kind of like, and so I think I kind of was drawn to him a little bit. But other than that, William Hickey's fine. Uh, you know, um... Kathleen Turner is fine, but that's about it. I'm just really disappointed in Jellica Houston because when you like win an Oscar, I expect your role to be, I don't know, at least memorable enough for me to remember things. I don't, again, I don't remember a single thing she did in this. Well, she's in like three or four scenes in this thing. Yeah. Like, like, you like she's like barely in it. Is like her and Jack Nicholson. This is the one and only movie they did when they were like a superstar couple. Hmm. And then she was, of course, directed by her father. And when she won her Oscar, she was like, this is an even more special moment because of who directed it. And I'm like, oh, that's sweet. Do you think maybe it was because Margaret Avery and Oprah Winfrey were both, like, for the color purple? And they, like, like... Cancel each each other other out. out? Cancel each other out. But even then, I would say Meg Tilly before Angelica Houston. True. I'm going to look up. I'm going to look up who else, like, won the other awards that year. Um, Meg Tilly nominated for Agnes of God. Yeah. Uh, Meg Tilly actually did win the Globe that year. Okay, there you go. Yes, for Agnes of God, which we'll get into because it'll be an honorable mention. uh, Another good movie. Mm -hmm. Also in the Globe, Sonia Braga, who wasn't nominated for an Oscar. Um, Amy Madigan, who was. Kelly McGillis, who wasn't. And Oprah. So... Margaret Avery wasn't nominated for a Globe. 
Hmm. Yeah, like I did kind of wonder that too, though, if they just canceled each other out because it's like the, the, that's just two powerhouse performances. I mean, those performances scream Oscar, like Oscar clip. And like, I don't think Angelic Houston even has an Oscar clip in this movie, like something they can play and think about that performance. But it was funny because I was like going through videos and I was like, Angelica Houston, Oscar winning performance. And I was like, is this the video that's going to convince me? Did I just like blank out? And it's just the video talking to her father. And I was like, I have no honor. And he has like the heart attack or whatever. And I'm like, that still didn't convince me all. Yeah. We're going to wake up and she is going to have already written an op-ed about this podcast. <laughs> New York Times. <laughs> These Midwesterners have no taste. I would love that. <laughs> that would be the peak of my life, honestly. If Angelica Houston could just drag me across the mud, that would be amazing. I would frame. I would frame it. I'd go on press tour to talk about me being canceled by Angelica Houston. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I when I see a movie like this, and I think, okay, it won a lot of Oscars, or didn't win a lot, but it was nominated for a lot. And like, what is it that people saw? I really, I just can't come up with it in this one. I don't know if it was for me, because it feels like a, oh John Houston is so old this may be it we might as well yeah. I mean they brought him to do the best picture thing like you know I mean I could see that I feel like they were doing that for a few years though I mean we still talk about fucking Annie God that movie <laughs> Hey I grew up on that I don't care. It's, it's shitty. I fucking hate that movie. <laughs> I've always hated that movie. No offense to you, but fuck Annie. <laughs> Our apologies to the little orphan Annie out there. Wow. I did not expect so many Christmas movie references in this podcast. Christmas <laughs> Why do you associate Annie with a Christmas story? Christmas story? Little Orphan Annie. He gets the oh. oval team thing. Oh, <laughs> I was like, Annie I don't... Take... sorry, that's what Annie I think of. I think Little the Fourth of July. <laughs> <laughs> but Christian, do you want to read off our facts Why not? here? Twenty-six point seven million dollars at the box office, which was number thirty-two that year, and it won for Best Supporting Actress for Angelica Houston. Uh, nominations included picture director for Houston actor for Jack Nicholson supporting actor for William Hickey adapted screenplay costume design and film editing oh I guess there's more facts I'm just like say anything okay well, the costume design really tripped me up John Houston the oldest nominated director at 79 I'm pretty sure that still stands and then he became the only person to direct two family members to acting Oscars. The other was his father for the treasure of the Sierra Madre. And both of his family members were in the supporting categories. And this became a sleeper hit because of great reviews and positive word of mouth. Just, I, I don't know. I don't see it. I mean, people voted Reagan into office. I don't <laughs> see how this is any different. I think just because you have also the chemistry between... Kathleen Turner and Jack Nicholson. Yeah. I mean, they're two yeah. of the biggest stars. And it's like, That's oh, true. they're having a lot of sex, but also we're going to laugh at this too. It's like a yeah. comedy version of The Godfather. Sense. Which is weird because it's not exactly funny. It's just, no. it's a little quirky. Yeah, it's not funny at all. 
one thing um just closing thoughts i i pretty much hated this movie in general um like one star but i really hated the ending like i don't know i the whole shootout they have and i'm not gonna go too in depth of the details but it was just like i don't get the point of this whatsoever like what are we trying to say here like oh he's stuck with the mob he's gonna go back with whoever i there's no point to the movie for me like well i don't know i'd say it was my favorite part of the movie really you know why? okay yeah go away do you know why it ended. Uh-uh. Oh, God. <laughs> you thought it was going to get real this I was like, I'm really interested to hear this because anybody who's going to go out there and be Pretty's honor. At this point, we would normally have somebody going, hey, don't be the haters. Yeah. It's on YouTube if you're that interested. Yeah, just don't pay for it. Don't pay for it if you do. Well, maybe pay for it. I don't know if Kathleen Turner's eating anymore. <laughs> Someone give her a job. Yeah. The last thing I remember her in was the Dumb and Dumber sequel that came out a few years ago. Eh, that was pretty rough. She's doing a, she's doing a horror convention in Indiana soon. That's, that's time. She was in an episode of not- the Kaminsky Method on Netflix, which is like Every old people's favorite show. I don't know what that is. Is that the one with uh, Alan Arkin? Yeah. Okay, yeah. It looks oh, like she's being something called Dolly Parton's Heartstrings. <laughs> which I'm assuming is about Dolly Parton getting open is heart the... surgery. Oh my god. Is that the Netflix <laughs> I show? I think. Hmm. Well, I hope Netflix is lining her pockets now. There I we guess go. that's all we can ask for. All right. Any other thoughts on Pritzy's honor? Nope. Okay. All right. Moving on to Witness. Zay, I believe you were lined up to take this one away. Witness. So we start out with an Amish boy who witnesses the murder of a police officer. That's the entire of the movie. Basically. Harrison, he's the witness. He is the key. He is the titular witness. Harrison Ford plays the detective in charge of this case, trying to figure out who the murderers are, and when he finds out the call is coming from inside the house, the crooked cops on the case start to get wise and put the head out on Ford, and he rushes the boy and his mother back to their home in Amish country. He is too injured to run away, so he stays and hides out among the Amish people, and the cultures start to clash, and maybe even a little steamy. However, he's still on the hideout, and the cops are still looking for him. No spoilers, but done, done, done. I had no idea about this movie. Like, I I knew it was nominated for Best Picture, but I knew no details. And I just see Harrison Ford on the cover, and I'm like, oh, this is a hard-edge cop thriller. And I'm half right. I knew nothing about the Amish people in this show. <laughs> and I was like, oh. And then I got confused because I just read the back of the Blu-ray for half a second, and I was like, is this just a drama about Amish people? And then I got back and I was like, oh, the cop things are still a part of it. Okay, so I was half right on. But it's also like part romantic film between him and... Like a steamy, uh, it's a steamy Amish sex drama. Oh my God. Honestly. <laughs> Good description. So yeah. 
I enjoyed this movie. I I, I did too. Oh, finish. <laughs> I don't know if I would put it. I did not put it in my best picture uh, lineup, but I still very much enjoyed this movie. Yeah, I did too. Christian, take it away. What did you think? Um, I've seen this before, but I don't remember it, so I'm considering it like a new watch. I thought that it was along the lines of watching like The Fugitive, because you have Harrison Ford sort of as this like he's a runaway himself in this, even though he's a cop. Sort of, he's really undercover protecting this family. Except this is a lot more interesting. Like Zay said, the cultures clash, and it gets steamy. God, who knew those Amish women, right? Um, it's, a, it's a good plot. You just see him living the life of the Amish people while he's trying to protect these two, and then flash back to the city where the other cops, and some of them are crooked and some of them aren't, are trying to find him mm-hmm. and pretty much kill him, the Amish boy, and his mom for witnessing this murder. I think it's exciting. Um, Peter Weir directed this. He directed such other things as... The Truman Show, later on, and Master and Commander. Oh my God, we did. A, Brett and I did a whole class on Peter Weir. How? Oh my gosh, I was going to mention that too. Yeah, <laughs> but no, I like this. It's interesting. It's a good movie. Yeah. Would you put this like towards some of his best work or who? Peter Weir. Peter Weir. From like the three or four movies that I've seen of him, I mean. Yeah. You had a whole class and you only watched three or four movies? I mean, the man talked for like an hour. No, no, no. It was like yeah. a class where he talked about an hour of Peter Weir and how he's like, he's great friends with Peter Weir and how he's been to his house and had coffee with him and he mm-hmm. showed us a whole video of him just like interviewing Peter Weir and then we watched... Did we watch anything? I don't think we watched anything. I don't think we watched any Peter Weir. He just talked about him and then showed us a movie by another Australian director. Yeah. Yeah. So I went home and I had to watch my own Peter Weir movie. Well, no, I was going to say, like, the reason I knew about Witness was because of this class, which the topic of the class was, like, international film post-1950. I don't think we had, like, okay. any discussion of, like, Japanese film, like, no Kurosawa or anything like that. Like, no, we spent because there was already a class for that. Yeah, and we spent three weeks on Australia, and he just, yeah, he talked a lot about Peter Weir. We never actually watched any of his movies. But, okay, so it was not a Peter no, no. I I was shocked for a second there. <laughs> it felt like it at times. But yeah, um, my first time watching, obviously. The other reason I knew about this movie was because it was Harrison Ford's only Oscar nomination. So far. So far, so far. Which, on one hand, is weird to think about. Like, oh my God, Harrison Ford. But then if you think about the movies he's most famous for, not typically the type of stuff the Oscars are going to go for. So kind of makes sense um but he's really good here i really liked kelly mcgillis here honestly yes, she is so i good. thought i think she's very underrated i mean i saw i think she was nominated for a supporting actress nom somewhere i think she's a co-lead personally in the film um she's in a lot of it and it seems like we follow her as much as we do harrison ford's character but yeah i i really enjoyed their connection the action scenes are like not too over the top for me which is a problem I had with The Fugitive, is that films like this, they're trying to keep it realistic, and sometimes the action is just too much. 
And I really didn't get that here, which was nice. The best um, scene in this movie for me was the opening scene where her and her son are in the train station and he witnesses the murder. Mm. Like, I've read that Peter Weir thinks this is the most violent scene he's ever directed, but it is, like, perfect for me. Oh, yeah. I mean, you right. literally have saw... this kid just witnessing it. And this kid don't know what the hell's happening because he's from Amish country where things like this don't happen. Mm-hmm. The kid, by the way, we didn't mention a young Lucas Haas from such um, as. Did I say? Oh fucking! <laughs> We're all, like scrambling to find Lucas Haas IMDb page. I know the name. He was in Inception. Inception and Mars Attacks. There we go. And widow. And widow. Anyway. First man. Oh, widows. Okay. Um, but um, that scene, uh, he talked about in an interview where he wanted to make sure the kid didn't see any of that, so he didn't show him like the video of it, and he was like, he filmed it, filmed it separately, and he was like, you're just not giving me enough emotion, and it's like you don't look scared enough, and he was like, how can I be scared of just a piece of piece of tape on the wall? <laughs> And he basically gave gave him a big acting lesson, and then it worked. Um, but my, I have two scenes that are my favorite in this. Um, the first one comes when he realize the kid sees who the murderer was, and it's like the newspaper or whatever. Yes. And he's just looking at it, and Harrison Ford looks across the station, and he just has that realization: the kid sees who killed, who was the murderer, or one of the murderers, and then. It's just, there's no talking or whatever. It's just like all background noise. And it's just, I love that scene. That scene was so good. And my second favorite one is when the the punks or whatever are trying to mess with the Amish people. And they know that the Amish people are not going to fight back. And then Harrison Ford's like, I'm not fucking Amish. I'll beat your ass. (laughs) And I'm like, you're you're supposed to be an undercover you're a terrible detective. <laughs> You're supposed to be undercover. The from and, then, and then that one guy says, them, them Ohio, oh, which must be different. I just oh like, gosh. That's such a good line. <laughs> yeah, I love that, that newspaper scene you mentioned. I really loved about this film. Another thing I didn't expect, sometimes when you have a movie like this and you have a character like Harrison Ford, it's like their character is like, oh, I'm this super macho guy and I don't like kids, so you're going to have to get down deep into my heart. He's not really like that. Like, he's really nice to the kid early on. They have a cool little Mm -hmm. friendship. And it it just makes it that much more fun to watch them together, um, especially when he becomes Mm -hmm. part of the Amish country. But He's not that weird subgenre of tough macho guy who lightens up because of the kid. Kills Dwayne the Rock Thompson. Or Ben Diesel. <laughs> or coming soon, John Cena. Yes. Yep, that one came to mind for me as well. There are two villains in this movie. One, of course, being uh, the murderer, who we won't say who it is, because this is a good movie that people should see. Uh-huh. The other, of course, mm-hmm. being Patty Lapone's hair in this. <laughs> <laughs> like, cry for me, Argentina. Please. <laughs> And I know Zay has warn- warranty to laugh here, but Brett, do you know who Patty Lapone is? Yes, I know who Patty Lapone is. I actually do know that one. Wait, okay. Didn't we go across this the last time? 
That was yeah. Bernadette Peters. Like, yeah, that was Bernadette Peters. Oh, Bernadette Peters. Yeah, yeah. But no, Patty Lapone has a nice part in this. I mean, she plays Harrison Ford's sis. Her hair is like about she just woke up from a coma. <laughs> Hides the honest people for a couple days before they have to go back to the country. She has a part. She has a part in this. There is a good cast of this, though. I mean, there, like, there's, uh, what's his name? Vigo Mortensen makes a little appearance. Very small, obviously. Danny Glover Um, makes an appearance in the movie. The guy from Lord of the Rings. (laughs) Same man. You mean Aragorn? (laughs) The guy who played Aragorn. <laughs> is Kelly McGillis still alive? Oh, she is. <laughs> we have to do with every movie <laughs> check to see if the person's alive or just assume they are. Well, her career ain't alive, but she is. Well, that was a big topic recently because she wasn't asked to return for the Top Gun sequel. I read right. that. Yeah. And she. She basically came out and said, like, I know why they're not taking me back. It's because I've gained weight and I don't look like I did in the 1980s anymore. And so I was like, yeah, Hollywood kind of sucks. And so read the yeah. fun facts. She's really great here. Read the fun facts. Okay. Oh, today, do you want to take me away? I shall. Um, the box office was $68.7 million. That was number eight for that year. Could you imagine our... <laughs> Our situation we'd be in it if that was our number eight for the year. Movies dying. Um, the Oscar wins were best original screenplay and best best film editing. Both I can't argue with. Mm-hmm. Um, other nominations for for best picture, best director, actor for Harrison Ford as we mentioned, art direction, cinematography, and score. Not sure if I see an art direction, but we'll keep going. Yeah. Um, many of the Amish communities in Pennsylvania feared this film would cause a surge in tourism and trespassers. <laughs> what a wild thing, though. <laughs> that Amish film with Harrison Ford. We need to go see other Amish people. Um, studios were hesitant to produce um, despite Ford attached to the project. Um, I heard that um, Peter Weir uh, was looking at like greenlit scripts, and he said he wasn't going to do this unless Ford um, was attached. So I guess that's like later on that when they got Peter Weir to want to do it. Makes sense. Um, the, as Brett said, this was Ford's only Oscar nomination. So far. And it was voted <laughs> so far. You know, when he dies as Indiana Jones <laughs> the year after. Um and it was voted the 80th best screenplay of all time by the Writers Guild. Which was kind of surprising to me. Yeah, I didn't, I like the script, but I don't think... It's not like one of the best of all time. I mean... No, it has its moments. Like when the dad is asking the kid, like, would you ever kill someone? And he's oh. like, oh, you're the bad person. And I'm like, yeah. that's a good moment. But overall, yeah. I'm like, I don't know. It's fine. I, I mean, it's good. It's not fine. It's I'm good. not mad about it. Yeah, same. As far as 1985 awards go, and we're about to land into a doozy of oh, my discussion. Gosh. But uh, yeah, as far as the 1985 awards go, I'm not mad about Witness. Not my favorite, but still pretty good. I definitely recommend people seek it out because I knew nothing about this movie and I had so much fun watching it. Yeah, same here. It's a fun watch. It really is. 
Okay. Should I just jump into the big winner now that we've kind of prefaced it with all the wins it got? And the Oscar goes to... If we have to. (laughs) (laughs) The Oscar goes to Out of Africa, or every colonialist's favorite love story. (laughs) So this is the story of takes place in the early um, 20th century, like 1910s, I think, in colonial Kenya. <laughs> Christian getting the cigarette out. <laughs> oh my God. Forever, this is a, not a visual medium, but he put it in his mouth backwards. <laughs> <laughs> That's what made me just scream. I'm sorry to anyone that has headphones on. No. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing it's all candy <laughs> <laughs> sorry uh, no no you're good um meryl street plays karen blixen she is a wealthy danish woman um who is looking towards marriage she actually leaves her um her lover a swedish nobleman for his brother named Bror blixen um and they get together and they move to the area of Nairobi in Africa, which is controlled by the British at this time. And they are going to go and they're going to set up a cattle ranch. But he decides, screw cattle, we're going to go with tobacco. And so they have this tobacco farm. Um, they basically coffee. exploit all the people that work. Was it coffee? I thought it was, it was coffee. coffee. My bad. I, I think it was. You're right. It was coffee. Tobacco honestly made more sense. But anyway, um, they basically exploit all the people who live there for work. And Karen decides she's going to put up this big hospital in this school to uh, teach these people English in the typical colonial fashion. And eventually, she starts having this affair with Dennis, who is played by Robert Redford. And they, um, they, they have an affair. I, I really don't know what else to say about that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's about it. They bathe um, in the waters. <laughs> they, they bathe in the waters. <laughs> but this was a box office hit. I mean, it was number five on the year. Somehow. Oh, fuck. It's super long. Two hours and 41 minutes. It's like <sighs> grand in scope. I just want to read off the wins just so we can like just get that out of the way. It won seven Oscars for Best Picture, Sidney Pollack for Director, Art Direction, Cinematography, Eh. Adapted Screenplay, no, Mm. Score, and Sound. Mm. I I mean, you had Back to the Future, but whatever. Um, It was also nominated Meryl Streep Best Actress, Supporting Actor for Klaus Maria Brandauer. Costume design and film editing. I thought this is a two hour. Go for it. it. This is a two hour and 40 minute movie about nothing. I wrote one one note while watching this. Um, The one note was I sat through this almost three hour movie and I didn't even get to see Robert Redford's dick. (laughs) Wasting my time. I mean, what a. What's the point of this movie? movie? Why did anybody even think that this would be an amazing movie? I 
And what's wild, it all worked. It won a shit ton of awards. It made Buku at the box office. Why? Like, I wrote here in the fun facts that like somebody like David Lean trying tried to adapt this story decades earlier. I could kind of get that if we're in like the 40s or 50s when yeah. David Lean can make big old epic. But mm-hmm. like for the 80s, and again, the 80s love the epic movies because David Lean made a passage to India a year before. It's just really super boring for the mid-80s when a culture is like totally changing. Nobody wants these long-ass movies that are quote-unquote romance movies. It's Meryl Goes to Africa for coffee and then she's out of Africa. Yeah. There's like, I'm pretty sure, I could be wrong, but there's like a three-shot sequence in this movie where she is in Africa Back in Denmark and back in Africa in like three or five shots. That's like how poorly edited this movie is. Isn't that when she gets like syphilis treatments? Yeah. Yep. Goes back to get, which we don't know until later. So I don't know. I thought I thought Pritzi's honor was bad, and it is. This is even worse, and that's really sick for me. It does because at least Pritzi's uh, honor, you sit for a couple hours, you're done. This feels like you're watching it for six hours. It's awful. The only difference between Pritzi's Honor and this, though, I this is the second time I watched it. It was very easy to watch. Like, again, nothing's happening. It's long, but I got through it really fast. Interesting. <laughs> Me and Christian watched it on the same night. I started a little later than him, and we were just texting back and forth about just dying and still <laughs> find our bodies. And out of Africa, still going to be playing. Oh, yeah. But this is also my second time watching this because I was in, again, it was another movie in high school. Most of the, like, my big discoveries were in high school. This was not a discovery. This was a, I shouldn't believe everything in the A Thousand One Movies You Should Watch Before You Die book. But that was kind of my Bible at the time. And anytime I saw a movie in the library that was in that book, I immediately checked it out because I was like, I have to watch this before I die. I hated it then. Uh, and then when I was like, yeah, I'll do the 1985 podcast with y'all. And then I saw who, what won that year. And I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> and I was like, all right, maybe I'll like it more. No, I like it less for more reasons. The fucking colonialism shit. Who? And I'm like going back to 1950 where we're talking about King Solomon's Mines and that fucking like, and then like the 1939 films talking about all this colonialism shit. And I'm like, now we're in 1985 and we're still fucking celebrating colonialism. Yep. Jesus Christ. And this time they're not even hiding it. No, there is no comment on it whatsoever. It's just like... They're like, it's fine. Yeah. It's pretty awful. Um, There's just so much going on, too. Scarlett Johansson's favorite film. (laughs) Stop. That might be true. Like, that might be true. No, but... Taylor Swift did a music video that was inspired by this dance. What? Why? Yeah. And then caused controversy because it was in Africa and there's no black people in that music video. <laughs> and I'm like, it was inspired by out of Africa. You're be thankful they're not in there. My goodness. But yeah. So that's this film's impact. Um I just when I think of the problems of this film, this is kind of what I turn to. Let me actually pull it up here. One, it's based on like three different sources. And so 
when I think of like, there's so much going on in this movie, it's because they didn't adapt it well. They adapted three different things and it all came together. You've got Meryl and her white savior stuff. You've got her husband doing his thing. The stuff with Robert Redford, which is supposed to be the point, but doesn't feel like it. Three different sources. The other thing is it was edited by like five people. Like if you go to the film editing by <laughs> like five different people listed. Like no, sh no wonder it doesn't fit together well. No wonder it's two hours and 41 minutes long. I mean, I'm all for collaboration, but when it comes to editing, sometimes it just doesn't work that way. There should only be two editors, the editor and the director sitting next to the editor. There you go. But and anyway, we've talked about our AFI list before on here. Okay, get this. AFI's 100 Years, 100 Passions, like best love stories, number 13. He bathes her in the river with some hippos nearby. <laughs> like, talk about romantic. Passion. Passion. 100 Years of Film Scores, it was number 15. I like this score. I like this score to this film. I do too. I like I like it, but I wouldn't put it I wouldn't even put it in like my top. I couldn't I, yeah. couldn't I couldn't hum a single thing from it. But my favorite part in this movie is the airplane sequence when they're flying yes. over Africa. Like I agree. Fast forward to just that part. It's like two minutes long, but it's worth it. Yeah. And when I think about like winning best cinematography, like it's mostly that scene. Yeah. Like that's the scene mm -hmm. that looks really good. And then the rest is like it's good cinematography, but it's not like I wouldn't give it an Oscar for it's like it. what I said when we watched King's Diamond's Minds. Oh, yeah. It's Western audiences being like, wow, look, Africa. Yeah. Basically. But I, I found out that the score was so popular, the damn thing went gold in the U.S. <laughs> with over 500,000 copies. Wow. That's ridiculous. I, I don't get it. But fourth lowest rated Best Picture winner, ranked by Rotten Tomato score. I haven't seen all of them. I've seen probably close to half, and this is my least favorite. Just throwing that out there. I think it's at least in my top bottom three. My bottom three. Okay. Yeah, I've never seen Crash, so I can't comment on that one. But no, this is worse than Crash. Worse than, okay, there you go. Um, but yeah, Christian, you mentioned David Lean tried adapting it. He was going to adapt it for Greta Garbo. Um, Orson Welles was attached for a while. I want to be in Africa. <laughs> I want to be out of Africa. Well, what did we think of Meryl Streep here? No, because, I mean... impersonation, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> no offense, I did not get that. <laughs> yeah, I kind of missed it. <laughs> Now that you say it, I get it. But you said it right after Orson Welles. I'm like, okay, that's a weird Orson. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, Meryl, Meryl just play. She's just playing like '70s, '80s Meryl. She has the range. She's just like, and she. It just feels like she's going like sort of that somber woman with an accent that she did for Sophia's Choice. Mm. Sophie's. <laughs> in Italy, it was released as Sophia's Ooh. choice. I made that up. Don't ooh that. <laughs> um, but overall, I'm like, it's a Meryl performance. You know, you can't be, you can't say most of them are bad. I don't think I've seen like too many like where I'm like, Meryl should have made different choices. But I'm like, 
it fits the film. Yeah. For better, for worse. Yeah, that's a good point. She's good. I love Meryl. Again, it is a Meryl performance from the 80s. They probably said, hey, Meryl, do you want to do this accent? She said, sign me up, fam. <laughs> but she also she um, auditioned for Sweet Dreams. So I wonder if she would have done Out of Africa if she did Sweet Dreams. Which we'll talk about in our honorary. But in her, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I liked Meryl in this. I thought she was one of the, probably the high point of the movie. Um, I like looking at Robert Redford. Yeah, but that's the thing I noticed about Robert Redford is that he doesn't do much here. He's there to like look good and like show off his typical Redford charisma. That's about it. He's there to start the romance. Yeah. But anyway, out of Africa, I don't know. It's it's just if you're not an Oscar completionist or if you want to like put this off to your last best picture film you could watch, like save it for the ends go for it it's not really worth the time no my recommendation as a person that still hasn't completed them all start with the bad ones that's a good that's point too that's a good point too <laughs> that's a good point. but uh if you're already there then well, you'll get there one oh. day god i will never see it again unless i have no same here i will never i will never go out of my way to see this very dull movie yeah boring is the key Okay, any final thoughts on their best picture winner out of Africa before we go on to our rankings? Voters are whack. Roger Ebert gave it four stars. He also likes Pritzi's honor, so... Oh my god. This one line, though, in a land where whites are foreigners, <laughs> she is a foreign white. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Roger. That's nice. No, that sounds exactly right. You won't get this, but it sounds like a Jenna Maroney movie, <laughs> like introduction. <laughs> I like I when Christian said that, I immediately heard just Jane Krakowski just saying it in that monotone, like drawled out voice. <laughs> the other day on the radio on the Broadway station, just a side note, they were actually playing the entire like song of Rural Juror. And I was like, oh, we listen to this and just see if you can understand what the hell is happening. <laughs> no, like even that little quote, I can see like, in a land where whites are foreigners. And then like a flash to Scarlett oh Johansson. She is foreign. <laughs> God. <sighs> anyway, that's all I have to say about out of Africa. I'm out of my mind. <laughs> And the Academy was out of their mind. Yeah, they very much were. But could you imagine seven Oscars? I mean, the thing is, like, if we ask about, like, why did this win? It is in the Academy wheelhouse. It's a big, sweeping epic that apparently has romance. I, I don't see that, but... <laughs> um, but Romance and syphilis. Yeah. <laughs> But I, I guess I'm not terribly shocked that it won. It's just a big stain on Academy history. And they've got a lot of them. But... I did look at my rankings. It is second to last. Ooh, what's last? Cimarron? Cimarron. Ooh. Yeah, that was the 1931, I think. That's Ooh. not right. <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, so we're going to rank these, see if we can come to a consensus on what should have won Best Picture. Zay, would you like to kick us off with number five? Yes, number five, Out of Africa. Fuck you. <laughs> number four, Pritzi's Honor. You ain't so chill either. Three, Fitness. Two, Kiss of the Spider Woman. And one, The Color Purple. All right, Christian. Uh, number five, Pritzi's Honor. Hey, I don't like you. Uh, number four, Out of Africa, if only for that one scene on the plane and the score. Mm-hmm. And because palatable for myself sue me number three kiss of the spider woman number two um witnessed story of an amish love affair and number one the color purple all right mine is almost the same number five out of africa number four pretty's honor huge gap number three (laughs) kiss of the spider woman number two witness and number one we agree once again the color purple. You know, we've talked about films that should have won before. I think for all the ones we've covered in this podcast, this one is probably the most egregious mistake the Academy has made. Just my two cents. Okay. I agree. I mean, if, if it was obviously it's obvious which two we hate or dislike a lot, but out of the three that we like, Witness or Kiss of the Spider Woman would have been seen as like weird best picture wins, I think. So the color purple was like the only like obvious one. Hell, out of all five of those, it was just out of Africa with the color purple. It's just weird to me that these are our five nominees, I think. Yeah, I've kind of felt the same way as I was going through and watching them like Pretty's Honor. And, you know, that one feels just out of place. You know, Witness and Kiss of Spider Woman. Sure. Total like could see their nominations. Don't see them as winners. Yeah, between Out of Africa and The Color Purple, how you go with Out of Africa is just pretty mind-boggling. All right. Any last thoughts on these nominees before we move on? Whack. Whack. (laughs) Agreed. Okay, so this has been part one of our exploration of the year 1985. Be sure to tune in to part two. Um, should be showing in about a week where we will cover a few more movies from this year that weren't nominated, but maybe should have been in the fold. Feel free to follow Gilded Films on Facebook, Twitter, um, Instagram, and Letterboxd. Check out our website, gildedfilms.com. And also, if you could rate, review, subscribe us if you're following on Apple Podcasts. It really helps a lot with like getting out there and finding more followers and listeners. Theme music was composed by Joshua Arnaldi. And last but not least, I just want to thank my esteemed co-host today. Zay, do you want to say where they can find you on the internet or any plugs for your stuff? I'm in many places on the internet. My letterbox is Share Prayers. Um, my Twitter, Instagram, Vanity Rex or Vanity Sucks. I don't give a shit. You'll find me. And my film blog is QueerTureOfTheNight.wordpress.com dot com so many artsy stuff many situations very nice christian good as always do you want to put any plugs out there do i have anything going on <laughs> Not, oh my god i don't have a single thing happening movie wise 
You also write for scene stealers, I write for so that's scene helpful. Stealers. I've written like my first review in a good month and a half. I'm just waiting for my DVD screeners to show up to me. Very nice. Thanks again, both of you, for joining this time. And listeners, we will get back with you soon. 